I think that um, you've got to focus on what you can control. You know, the first thing you can control is your time. What are you doing with your time? Are you doing the training? Are you investing in it? And are you giving that call everything you've got? Are you giving that customer the call that they deserve and that they're paying for? And if you are, you can say in your heart of hearts that you're giving it 100%. I don't think you're going to be that down because you're going to get an energy from that too. And I say the, the second part to that is having a sense of urgency, you know, with everything that you do. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your host, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your host, Nate and Brian, hanging out with you again. And it is that special time of the year that we know as shoulder season. Yes, sir. We are in that time when it's a little bit more time in your day and maybe a little less calls on your board. But that's okay because we have two heroes of the trade joining us today. Marty Landry and Richie Drew are going to be sharing some great practical applications for technicians and managers to survive the shoulder season. We're going to have a great conversation with them. Really looking forward to it. They've been on the podcast before in a shortened version, and we'll be sure to tell you which episode that is. But this is a deep dive into what it takes to survive the next couple months. Before we get into that interview with them, Brian and I are going to spend just a minute talking about things for ourselves, and we're going to turn to Brian to kick it off with our quote. We don't so much solve our problems as we outgrow them. We add capacities and experiences that eventually make us bigger than the problem. Carl Gustav Jung. Okay. I, I like that. That's a, that's a good perspective change. You know, kind of one of those, like, uh, as you get older, the problems get smaller type feel. Yeah. And it's, well, you're bringing your wisdom, your experience to it, but also, uh, your development. I feel like he was saying there and you know, why am I talking about a, a Jung quote like that? He's a man, goodness. What was any author, psychiatrist, uh, I mean, he was like one of the fathers of psychoanalysis. Um, yeah, he's, he's a genius by no short measure. Um, well, I'm reading I'm reading one of his books right now. And when I say reading it, of course, I mean audiobook. Uh, but also, I mean, very poorly taking information out of the headphones while this thing's playing. It's it's called the Red Book uh, or Liber Novus but it's mostly referred to as the red book. And it's a lot about, um, man, him like withdrawing into himself to try to like find himself, like for long periods of time, just, uh, being alone and digging into his thoughts and dreams and fantasies and trying to pick them apart and understand where they came from and figure out like it's, I'm going like 
I don't even have time to watch the Michigan game that I recorded from this weekend. You know what I mean? <laughs> What's he, this guy's he's doing all this. He's doing lectures all over the world. He's writing books and he's been dang it. Hold on. I mean, he's been dead since probably late fifties, early sixties, something like that. Um, and even when he died, he was probably 90 years old. So we're going, we're taking it back pretty far, but I'm, I'm thinking like, and then he had time to just spend countless hours alone, analyzing his thoughts, analyzing his dreams and like all this stuff. And then he has really in terms of just quotes, like I'll, I'll be reading this book and, and I'll hear a one sentence. And what I always do is bam, screenshot, you know, I'm usually driving when I'm listening to something. So I'll just screenshot it. And when I get where I'm going and have a couple minutes, I'll look at the screenshot time and I'll go back in the audiobook to that rewind it and go why did I like that and I hear the sentence ago and I'm like bam clip quote and I'll make a little meme out of a picture of him and just put the you know printed words on there and he has so many sentences where each one is one of the baddest quotes you've ever heard you know like that one that we just read and it's like a perfect it's perfect timing for that quote because He's not talking about anything in, in particular, right? He's just talking about when you have problems. And if you're in the HVAC industry right now and it's shoulder seasons upon us here in the fall of 2023, and it's one of, at least in the past three years, it's it's a pretty, pretty sore year for most HVAC companies. The demand is just down. It doesn't mean everybody's revenue is down. Some people are still growing. I get it. Um, but the demand is lower than it's been in a few years. And then now you're hitting the shoulder season right after the summer, which tends to be the worst demand of the entire year. So there are people with, with significant problems and Jung talking about, I mean, it does, it does take me also back to the David Sandler quote. Like you have some people who have a year or sorry, you have some people who have 10 years of experience and you, you have other people who have one year of experience that they repeated nine times. If your wits are about you, as King Solomon would say in, uh, in Proverbs, all, all the while my wits were about me, you know, if you're paying attention and you're taking notes and you're going, this didn't work this year and this did work last year and here's something I need to try. And you know the shoulder season is coming. You know it's coming every year. And I talk to so many people who have been been in business for years and sometimes even decades, and they have no idea what they're going to do now that the shoulder season's here and they're not asking that question till the end of September. <laughs> You're like, what? How is that possible? You know, but it is, but it is happening and it does happen. And you really have to take your take stock of your experiences and everything you've learned and seen and start building a plan for for the next time. And it might be a little bit late to really innovate right here, right now for this shoulder season, right? But, you know, God willing, you will get a winner depending on where you're at. I'm not going to get one where I'm at here in Phoenix, but uh, most places in, in the country will see a winner or should see a winner. And then you'll have another shoulder season. The spring will be upon you. And the lessons you learn in this in this fall shoulder season, and maybe you're not an HVAC, but you have a slow season. Or just got out of one if you're uh, in the market I'm in and plumbing, the slowest time of year in in Arizona for everyone but electrical comp or sorry but HVAC companies tends to be um, 
June, July, August, because half the population leaves for the summer. The snowbirds um, get here uh, now, October, November, December, right? People trying to escape the winter, people who left here for the summer. They're literally telling me it seems like the population about doubles, which can't wait to see what that traffic looks like because it's already bad. But now we know that it's coming back, but we do know that next year it's going to happen again, right? And if you're an HVAC company who's in the shoulder season now, you know you might have a winter, but then spring, it's going to happen again. So my notepad's out. If I know it's going to happen again, what am I doing next time? What am I going to do in all the busy season, assuming there will be one? What am I doing strategy-wise to make sure that when the shoulder, quote unquote, shoulder season hits, it doesn't hit us. Like we have a plan in place. I love yeah, I mean, that quote. You're talking about l- learning. Yeah, it's right. That quote is good. Learning from that behavior. But it's not enough to just observe. You actually have to make change. There has to be a difference. Yeah, you have to outgrow outgrow them. Let's read that quote again. We don't do this often, but my man Carl Gustav Jung, he, he deserves to have his quote read twice, right? We don't so much solve our problems as we outgrow them. We add capacities and experiences that eventually make us bigger than the problem. There was some work to do there, right? It wasn't by osmosis. You got to add the capacities and the experiences. So work to be done, notes to be taken, strategizing to do, podcasts, audio books, YouTube videos to listen to mentors to be grabbed and squeezed for every drop of of info and knowledge you can get out of them tap your team man something that that i don't think is done enough is going to the team and just saying what would you do in this situation you're me like here are the issues we're seeing right now what would you do if you were me never know what you're going to come up with right sound advice, Brian, and we're going to get more sound advice from two experts in the industry who have lived many years of experience in the trades and have seen their fair share of ups and downs. But before we do that, it's that special time of the week where we highlight one of our favorite people who have taken the time to review our podcast. Brian, who are we talking about today? How about 10 stars? Five stars. What's up? I really like it. You can always like grab your wife's phone and Make two five-star reviews. That's a 10-star. <laughs> Waste No Day is an extraordinary show, surpassing the five-star rating. Its exceptional content goes beyond enhancing my role in the trades. It has a positive impact on every aspect of my life. This podcast serves as a daily reminder that growth and improvement are constant pursuits for both those on the show, those in a truck, and those in the office. It is a team effort to be better. The show's ability to cultivate effective communication, strong leadership, and personal development skills is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to its immense value. Heartfelt gratitude to Brian and Little Chirp for their invaluable contributions. Oh, longtime listener. Good Yo 53 or Goody O 53. Goodness. That sounds like a some somebody who Lil Chirps to collaborate with. That sounds like someone way too smart to be listening to this show. Did you hear all those big words? 
I know. He needs to write my resume. Assuming assuming I, it's a guy. Girl, I, was, I don't care, but write my resume, please. <laughs> I was going to ask if you wrote this, Nate. <laughs> oh, so many uh, three and four syllable words that I had to Google and uh, encyclopedia. Syllables. And dictionary. So many syllables. <laughs> didn't know what to do. <laughs> well, we appreciate that. Uh, oh, man, I didn't uh, catch the, the hey, name again. My man, Daryl Robinson. Uh, from from my shop, my operations manager here in Phoenix, he said to tell Little Chirp what's up, and also to say that the Little Chirp comment, where Nate and I were going back and forth and dubbed Nate the rapper Little Chirp, was from the Tommy Mello episode, and I want to say it was the episode from September twenty sixth, two thousand twenty two. So if you want to hear where Little Chirp came from and you don't know what that means, listen to Tommy Mello's episode on 9-26-22. You're really missing out there. Uh, yes. Well, the world will soon know exactly what they've been missing out on as I continue to go <laughs> mellow and marinate you start in the spitting studio. fire and dropping, bam- dropping bombs? Yes, obviously. Well, thank you, uh, reviewer. What was the name on that one, Brian? My collaborative artist? Goody O53 or Good Yo 53. Can't tell which one it is there. I like them both. I like them both. We'll take it. Thank you for that. I'm a fan. I'm a Good Yo 53 fan. (laughs) If you are a fan of the show, we'd sure like it if you let us know and uh, leave your own review with five stars. We'd sure appreciate it and it'd be super cool. Right now, we're going to take a break from this uh, amazing review, of course, and turn our attentions and listening ears to two experts in the industry, Marty Landry and Richie Drew. It's going to be a tight squeeze because we're putting two people in your passenger seat today, but they'll make do, I'm sure, as we put them and their expert knowledge in your passenger seat. Our guests, that's right, I said guests, because we have two today, are joining us, Marty Landry and Richie Drew. They're both experts in their field, and we're looking forward to talking to them today about the shoulder season. Marty Landry serves as the operation manager and is an integral part of the one-hour heating and air conditioning based out of Myrtle Beach. Marty started his career in the corporate world as an RVP for Enterprise Rent-A-Car. He served in that role and developed into 65 locations, 1,100 plus employees, and 430 million in annual business serving the East Coast. The success of the award winning franchise is due in part to a large partnership between Marty and the owner Richie, which dates back to their tenure at Direct Energy. A true champion of employee growth and development, Marty has a knack for identifying and nurturing talent and fostering a culture of teamwork and providing mentorship. Richie Drew is a highly accomplished business owner and a prominent figure in the heating and air conditioning industry. As the owner of One Hour Heating and Air Conditioning out of Myrtle Beach, his journey began in 2004 when his father became one of the brand's early franchise owners. Richie's dedication and leadership skills led him to become the general manager of the Las Vegas location in 2005, where he achieved record-breaking revenue and profits. And then his success continued as he took on the role of regional vice president, focusing on expanding the franchise network. In 2013, Richie returned to Murdoch Beach as the owner of the one-hour heating and air conditioning in that location and quickly restored the location to double-digit profitability within the first year. In 2022, his exceptional contributions to the industry were recognized when he received the Franchise of the Year Award at the Authority Brands Convention. Richie's inspiring journey serves as a prime example of the rewards that come 
with dedication, hard work, and commitment to continuous improvement at their location. Together, Marty and Richie have formed a dynamic duo and have transformed the one-hour Myrtle Beach from a $5 million business into a thriving $25 million enterprise in just nine years. This is going to be a great show as we invite these two on. Welcome here, gentlemen. Thank you. Appreciate it. Great being here. Always great to chat with you guys. Uh, We're on a couple or what, a uh, green team together, um, which is, was it like top 10 one hours or is that what it started out as? It's I top nine, so. one hours, Brian, and then somehow you got in there. So yeah, not well, sure. I'm not even with it one hour anymore. So like, well, uh, we figured we needed one plumber. So you know, yeah. Well, <laughs> I was with it one hour when uh, when I was when I started being in there, but uh, I think it it started as like t- or maybe it's the top ten one hour franchises. It's an owner or general manager or something for each one representing, and then um, just talking about how to build the brand, how to mitigate the shoulder season as we're going to talk a little bit about today but whenever Richie and Marty are on the green team meetings and talking uh Nate knows this to be true it's not just fluff here uh, I would do that but I'm not doing it right now I'm all ears and I'm like I-, I can't wait for these guys to start talking and maybe or maybe not some of the other people to talk less and give you guys uh, more of a microphone so we figured finally we could the four of us come together and give you a microphone for at least an hour. Well, we certainly appreciate the opportunity to be on such a great podcast. Uh, you guys have just, I mean, man, my guys are telling me all the time, hey, did you listen to this one? Did you listen to that one? I'm like, I hadn't heard that one yet, but I did hear this one. You know, you're you're out there, and man, some of the names you guys have been able to pull into this show, I feel like we're standing on the shoulders of giants here. Uh, Chris Tiny Voss, Zach. Chris Voss. And- <laughs> Are you kidding me? Tiny sack? Yeah. Oh, man. You know, oh, I just, I feel like I'm in awe. But, uh, no, seriously, uh, you know, I was just, I was re-listening to the boss when you guys had the other day and just taking notes again, you know? Um, but yeah, we're, we're just, we're, we're glad to be here, guys. Yeah, we appreciate that, man. Yeah, we're glad to have you on. Uh, and as we typically do, uh, this is a bit different because we, we don't normally have two guests, but we do like to introduce our guests and hear a little bit about their story. Marty, let's start with you. Uh, I don't know that you have a lot of trade experience in your origin story, so to speak, but uh, you do have a lot of operational excellence. So why don't we hear about your story and how you got into the trades? Okay, I, I started right out of college with uh, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, worked for them for about 18 years. Um learned a lot of operational information from them. They, they run a very, very tight ship and do some really good work. Left there and went to um, RSC Equipment Rental. Um, rented 65 offices up and down the East Coast, about $430 million worth of revenue, 1,100 employees. Um, a lot of fun. They sold out, and I, I met Richie and, and got into the trades. Yeah, that's awesome. And now you serve as the operations manager for Myrtle Beach there, and you're serving uh, what locations, what geos are you in? We have everything in the coastal Carolinas from Wilmington, North Carolina, down through Charleston. We go out into Florence, and we do have the rights to Columbia, South Carolina as well, but we're not in that market at this point. Excellent, excellent. Turning our attention to you, Richie. So uh, you're currently serving as the owner, and um, I think you've held a couple other. Yes, yeah, like a hundred years at the mast is what it feels like. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about uh, your journey uh, getting into the trades. Did you grow up in the trades? You know, you have a heritage uh, with family members, or how'd you get into it? 
I do. I'm a third generation in the HVAC trade. Um, you know, Marty and I combined had 50 years of experience. And yeah, and 37 yeah. of them are Richie's. <laughs> That's only, only because my dad made me start when I was 13. So um, he might dispute that too, but dad remembers wrong a little bit. But uh, yeah, he had me out there on new construction uh, duck crews at 13 years old, uh, you know, different time back then in the eighties. But yeah, no, that's, you know, that's where I started is, um, out in the dirt, you know, <laughs> crawling under houses. And, and, um, you know, I remember when I, when I did that during the summers, I always say, I'm not coming back next summer. And he always make me come back. And then finally I got a job as a lifeguard. So I didn't have to come back anymore. And then after, after I decided college wasn't for me, um, I went to my dad with my hat in my hand and said, Hey, I really need a job. Um, because I dropped out of college and now I'm getting married, um, because those all seemed like the right thing to do at the time. And so he hired me into the business as not an owner, but as a maintenance technician. Um, so he put me out there in the field as a maintenance tech and, um, you know, I've been going ever since, you know, I haven't looked back. I think there's a lot of uh, a, a lot of cool elements to a father who didn't just give you a position of prestige walking into the business, but made you work your way through it. Yeah, Nate, I'll tell you, Dad uh, taught me a lot of lessons. Um, I talk, I tell him all the time, I'm like, man, you remember this time? And he's like, yeah, I, I kind of remember this. I'm like, you remember when you didn't pay me the first two weeks I was a comfort advisor because I didn't sell anything? Yeah, yeah, I remember no. that. Yeah. No. And it was the hardest lesson I ever learned. Uh, you know, um, he did not. My first paycheck was zero. I was a terrible comfort advisor those first two weeks. And um, I got way better the next two weeks. But um, years later, as we were talking about it, you know, he said that was really hard for me that time as, as your dad, not, not giving you a handout because I knew that you needed the money. But if I didn't teach you that lesson, you were going to be a terrible salesperson. And you were going to be you? a you never were going to have what you needed to succeed, which is, were you married by that point? I had just, um, just got, or we were, I had was just getting married. I was engaged to be married and, um, two weeks yeah. without a paycheck. That had to be fun. Yeah. Well, it was, um, you know, I sold jobs, but I couldn't get them financed. So that was really frustrating. And I know, mm. you know, people are going through that today. And so I could speak to that a little bit of, of you know, how you handle those things, but um, yeah, it was a really hard lesson, but you know, what dad taught me was if you don't go out there and ask for the order and do the job and follow the process, you're not going to be successful and you can't make any money that way because there's tons of people counting on you from the guys driving the trucks, delivering the equipment, the people in the factories, building the equipment, our installers who install it, they all need you to do your job to the very best of your ability. And, at, you know, I didn't want to hear that at 22 years old. I wanted money. <laughs> so uh, years later, I'm sitting there as general manager of Las Vegas. I'm thinking of that and, and you know, handling, you know, dealing with things with our comfort advisors. And that lesson just popped up and hit me in the face that, man, if you don't sell, you don't eat, you know. And um, a lot of people don't eat if the comfort advisor don't sell. Nobody eats, you know. Yeah. Yep. So. So thanks, Dad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what would we do without good dads in our lives? Well, guys, yeah. it's good to what have would we do without good dads and us? Going to find that guy and kick him. Never mind. Uh, it, so, um, if you want to hear more about the origin stories of Richie and Marty, we had them on the Authority Brands kind of man on the street episode, if you will, uh, for the for the Authority Brands convention in 2022. The episode is December 26, 2022. So the day after Christmas, 2022. They're uh, one of the first people on, and they actually do a much, much deeper dive into their 
origins and how they came together. And uh, we, I would love to talk about that some more, but we have the limited amount of time that we have with these gentlemen, and they are a wealth of knowledge in the HVAC industry, a wealth of knowledge in business, and really what we're dealing with now. And somebody's going to listen to this inevitably years from now. And it doesn't matter when you're listening to this, because whether it's October, like it is right now, and we're heading into a shoulder season in 2023, which I think history will look back on as a pretty tough year in the HVAC industry anyway. But um, regardless of what year it is when you're hearing this, you are heading into a shoulder season or you've just gotten out of one and you need some lessons that you're going to hear by these guys today. So let's dig right into it. I love where, where you were going there for a second with the what do you do when you get somebody really involved and, and everyone's happy and everyone's on board and oh my goodness, they fail financing. And everyone deals with that. And whatever trade you're in, if you use financing, you deal with the perfect fit in every way. And then that declined notice comes up on your tablet or whatever. Yeah, it could be a real gut punch, uh, especially when you've, you know, worked for the past two hours to earn their trust and, you know, demonstrate your knowledge and everything looks great and everybody's excited. And then, sorry, now you have to turn around bear the bad news, right? <clears throat> I think the best, you know, story I have for that was um, the very first lead I ever ran as a comfort advisor. Matter of fact, I alluded to that earlier that I sold the first, my first lead and I couldn't get it financed. Um, what I did with that is I wrote their name on an index card. Now, you remember this back in the mid nineties, we didn't have iPhones and iPads and I didn't even have a laptop back then. So I had an index card box that I, was my tickler file, right? So alphabetically, I just put them in there. And, you know, I, I would go through this uh, tickler file every month and pull people out and say, hey, I haven't talked to them in a while. Give them a call. Has anything changed? How are you doing? Uh, that particular job, the first lead I ever ran, um, it was sold, but couldn't get financed. It was almost a year. It wasn't quite a year. I called them out of the tickler file. And the lady answered the phone and, and I said, hey, has anything changed for you? He goes, matter of fact, it has. Um, my husband's getting a social security now and we have more income. I think we might could try that financing again. I said, great, I'll be right over, you know. And um, lo and behold, because, you know, conditions had changed a little bit and they got approved for, for financing. Uh, but it was almost a year later. And so wow. had I not put them in the tickler file, I never would have sold that job a year later. But I had to close my first lead, right? So I sold it, but I couldn't get it put in. But I actually, a year later, it was able to happen only because of the follow-up and the process. So I think, you know, yes, you're going to get kicked down. Yes, you're going to get 20% of your jobs turned down when credit is tight. You got to know that number. You know, if I go sell 10, I'm only getting eight put in because two are going to get turned down. That's just more I got to go do out there, right? And then I got to keep up with these these folks that do get turned down and create a relationship. So if, if and when things do change, I can be their guy because nobody else wants to talk to them anymore once they get turned down. Right. So you got to hang in there. And I think you got to, you know, that's where that, those tickler files and the, um, you know, just the, the rapport building. Cause what are you going to do? Wait till you don't have any leads. And then what are you going to do? You know, go try to knock on doors. Right. I'd rather yeah, I mean, knock on a warm lead. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know a lot of guys who are even going to knock on doors for the most part for the, for the guys in the trucks. It's like, Hey, I got a lead or I'm going to sit at home. There's, it's like less and less anymore. Do you see people with that kind of, um, 
I don't know, I'll say testosterone, but <laughs> whatever you want to call it, the, the, uh, the fire underneath them, the fire in the belly to get out and say, I will, I don't have any leads. I'll find some. And the best way to do that, I always thought the best way to do that when I was in the truck was just go through my book of, of past people that I saw estimates that I gave, like I don't get paid unless I'm selling anyway. <clears throat> so I can either be running, you know, calls that are failing financing, or I can be sitting at the shop waiting, or I could be at the gym or I could be at home watching TV or whatever, or I can just open this book. No matter what I'm doing, if I'm not selling a job, I'm not getting paid. So why not just crack your follow-up book open and just start calling people and you have your name, your phone number, what you recommended, the total, and then a little note to try to help you remember who they were. I always had to do that because I just completely spaced. <clears throat> and you just start calling calling that list and saying, hey, just exactly what Richie just said. Just wanted to see if anything's changed. Well, I think the other thing is, you know, the, the tenacity that, that Richie has is what got him from buying this company back from, you know, the, the franchisor and turned it around to what it is today. But, you know, he's not afraid if he's got the client next door, he's going to go sit there and say, Miss Smith and I just had a good conversation and she recommended I come talk to you. Whether she did or not is another story, but still the ability to knock on another door and get another opportunity instead of just getting in your truck and going home and saying the day's over, right? Miss Smith, I'm going next door to talk to your neighbors. Is that okay? Yep. See you later, Mike. No, I guess Marty's got a great point. You know, if, if I'm a technician and I've only got 20 working days in this month, like let's say last month, September, it's a pretty short month for most, most folks who are out there in the field. That's a, that's a variable I can't change. I've only got 20, you know, working days to work with. Some months I have 21, 22, whatever, but I've got 20 to work with. If I can run four calls a day, that's 80 calls I can run. If the company is only going to give me 60 because we're low on demand, am I just going to take that or am I going to go do something about it? The first rule is I got to control what I can control, right? I can't make their phone ring anymore, you know, <laughs> make their marketing work any better. I can't make demand happen anymore but I can control what I do when I go into that house. And if I follow my process, which should be taking care of the client, but also you know, using some of Tom Hopkins methods of asking for referrals. You know, hey, Brian, is there anybody else in the neighborhood you think I might could go talk to today about getting a revitalization like you guys just got? What is wrong with asking that question? Nothing, but what are you afraid of? You know, that's what you gotta ask yourself. Am I, am I afraid of the rejection that could come for that? What's the worst that's gonna happen? Are they going to pull out a bat and whack you in the head with it because you ask, you know, for a referral? No, probably not. I mean, it's not zero. It's never zero, right? But it's it's yeah. the chances of that are pretty slim. But if you ask four people today and got one yes, you're now doing something. You're being proactive. And if you had 30 people out in the field doing that every day, look at what your company could be doing just by evangelizing yourselves. I think, Brian, you said it. You said people today don't do those kind of things, right? And I would challenge you on that. I would say managers today don't ask, expect, or hold people accountable to doing those things any longer. I think we've done it for so long and not, I'm just, excuse me, we've not done whatever, it for so bro, long. Whatever, bro, whatever. We're out of a habit, right? <laughs> yeah, so it's it's a, yes, it's definitely twofold. So there's there's on one side you have, there's no, there's not enough accountability to say, man, get out there and bust your butt to find yourself some work. Uh, there's not enough personal accountability to, to say like, this is my, this is Brian, this truck, Brian Burton Inc. 
You know, it's it's Nate Minnick Incorporated. There is nobody else. It's me. And 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 uh, Zimmerson said, if it is to be, it's up to me. So anytime, any downtime I'm spending needs to be time that I'm either either prospecting, selling, or following up. That's uh, the only three things you have to do. Or installing, you know, there's that too. Well, and Brian, if you look at it, you know, a lot of people feel like they have no control over the shoulder season. They can't be successful in shoulder season. But they're not doing everything they can to take control of their performance, their numbers, the things they can do in a shoulder season. They'll sit there and say, I got three calls today, I got two calls today, the business doesn't have enough calls, I'm going to go home at noon. But they're not doing the things that they can do to make themselves better and, yeah, I heard it, um, make themselves better and move themselves forward in their career. It's not just them. Yeah, so we're talking, guys, about really the tenacious T, the tenacious technician here, right? And that's that's what that's what you're calling out. You're you're saying that there is more to being part of a company than just sitting back and having everything spoon fed to you. You need to be an active participant. You can't just be an attender you, or a pretender. Yeah. You need to be part of it. You can be whatever you want if you're a if you're a tech who does well with the leads you're given and you have a high uh, conversion rate and you have a high ticket average and you want to wait around until the leads come, you're not going anywhere. Like you're not going to get fired or anything. Right. But if you're, if you're someone who is tenacious and, and can't be put off by, Hey, we don't have any leads for you. And you're going to go pound the pavement and find something as a technician. Now, again, we're not just talking to technicians. We are talking to managers. We're talking to owners. We're heck, we're talking to CSRs. If the phone's not ringing, there are things you can be doing. Um, but if you're that type of person who's go- going to figure something else out, your stock is way higher even than someone who who has a little bit higher conversion rate or ticket average than you do. Yeah, I you know, we last month supposed to be the beginning of the shoulder season, right? Worst one of the worst months of the year for this market, especially. We had a comfort advisor had his personal best month. The guy's closing over 80% of everything he runs. You know, what's the difference in that guy and the guy who just had his worst month in the same company? It's all closing here, right? 46%. Yeah. It's all attitude, right? It's all right here. What, how we perceive everything around us, right? And how we react to that. And so I think you have to start with what you can control. I can't control if I'm a technician or a comfort advisor or a plumber or electrician, a garage door technician, whatever. I can't control what the company spends on marketing. I can't control how many times the phone rings. All I can control is what happens when I get behind that truck and turn the key on, right? I can be in the best looking uniform. My truck can be straight, squared away, ready to go. I can pull up to the customer's house. When I do get the call on time, you know, I can walk through the door. I can do my process, do everything I'm supposed to do, present all my options, study my craft when I go home tonight. I'm doing everything I can to make my truck a success. And I'm still getting kicked down. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm, only thing I'm going to do is listen to more stuff like this. You know, I'm going to listen to somebody who's telling me I can do it. I don't want to hear the dumpster talk of I can't. I think that's something we should probably bring up here is misery loves company, right? So in our industry, I've had no less than six people call me this week and ask me about this horrible economy that we're in, right? And it's like, dude, your demand went off a little bit. What are you freaking out about? It's like, you don't know what to do. You, you know what to do. We, we know what we need to do during this time of the year. 
Um, we just may not want to do it. And I think that says something. It's every, probably most of the people listening here know exactly what to do when you get a call, right? And you know what to do when, when it's uh, a little bit slow. You should be knocking on the doors. You should be making those, tick, you know, those phone calls to past clients, uh, people who didn't buy products, and maybe it's time now. There are proactive things to do. And if you're not doing those things, you got to ask yourself why you're not. And usually it's because it's easier not to. It's easier to wait for the next call. And I don't want to come across as one of those owner managers. It's just like, oh, you need to go out and, and you know, I'm not going to spit. We're doing everything we can to make that phone ring. Believe me, we're, we are absolutely in your corner. We want you to succeed because your success is tied to my success. If you're one of my technicians, I want you on calls, right? So and Brian, I think you know if everyone. We got, we got 13,000 club members. We're not short on calls. That's not a problem we own. We, we have more calls than we have technicians to run the calls. What we're talking to is the people that don't have it. There's things you can do. We know that the, the shoulder season comes every year, but it seems like we're so surprised by it every single year. You know, we're not prepared. We're not where we need to be. You know, Richie said it, you know, you don't want to get involved in the pity party. You, you, you got to be involved with people that are positive and doing the right things, people that are successful. The ones that are just there to bring you down, it's time to tell them goodbye and go find different people to hang out with. And that's probably one of the first steps when things start heading in this direction that you got to do is surround yourself with people that are better than you. Yeah, so Bud Belanich uh, has a quote. He says, take responsibility for your life and career. Carry your weather with you. In this way, whether it rains or shines on the outside, it will be sunny on the inside. And I think those are those are good words to consider, especially now, I mean... Not only is it shoulder season, but a shoulder season on the back of a year that has definitely been a, a pullback uh, against the last three. I think most of the nation would agree, you know, 2020 through 2022, maybe even a little bit of the beginning of this year was a, a surplus. You know, we're running guns out and, and just full speed. And now all of a sudden, whether it's the economy, whether it's people going back to the office, whether it's a number of other things that are impacting that, there's definitely been a pullback. And then on top of this, we're moving into the shoulder season. And so there's a mindset that goes along with that to avoid the panic for sure, but then also to deliberately set yourself up that I'm going to make the most of every opportunity that comes my way. If you guys are speaking to your technicians and, and you're trying to encourage them, you know, the, oh man, how long is this going to last? You know, or people don't want to spend money right now. And, and you hear, you hear the refrains over and over again, like, I can't get financing. Nobody wants to spend money. You know, uh, it, it's it's not hot. It's not cold. It, it's not anything. And you hear this over and over again. What are you guys saying to keep the right headspace so that they carry their own weather? That's an excellent question, Nate. Um, you know, how do you, how do you keep people from from falling into that negative mindset? Right. Um, you got to look at what they're putting in their heads. So, you know, what are you listening to when you're driving around in your truck? Are you listening to Waste No Day? Uh, if you're not, there's some yeah, buddy. there you're missing. You keep saying uh, it, Richie. Keep I on am, saying I'll plug it. I keep hitting you. the Venmo, <laughs> send, 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 Cha-ching. send on the Venmo. You just, many Cha-ching. times as you say it, buddy. Um, and yeah, I like it too. Uh, like and subscribe. Um, you know, I, you've got to put good things in. I, I mean, I have a library of self-help books. You would think I was the most broken person on the planet, right? I've, <laughs> I've you know, 37 years of self-help books is a, quite the library, but to this day, every one of those books has something that I've used to build my career with. You know, whether whether I read the entire book or just a few chapters and pulled out nuggets, right? 
there's so many things out there that that we can you know learn from and I, I think it just goes back to this. If you're not doing everything in your power to get the positive outcome that you're looking for, then you you got to start making that list and start doing those things. You know, if you're not happy with your body, what do you do? You go order another pizza or you hit the gym. Lay down, eat some more. Yeah. yeah. Is, is, wait, is that a wrong answer? But until when? Until you can't stand it anymore. <laughs> but, and and Nate, know, that's, that's a great point. Nate, uh, I can tell right, you that. You know, my, my opinion is management needs to lead with the with the positivity. If the management's sitting around going, it sucks and everything's bad, they can take a company down with them. They got to stay positive. They got to stay upbeat. They got to sit on that mission statement and restate it every day. It hasn't changed because the, because the weather went cool. We're still here to do the things that we were meant to do during the summer. Matter of fact, it's a little easier to take care of clients during this time of year. But the positivity has to start from the top. It has to be from leadership down. And it's hard sometimes. I'm not going to lie to you. When the, when the business turns and, you know, you're looking at the books and you're looking at numbers and, you know, it doesn't look great, you got to put a face on in front of the people that you need to put a face on. And, and I think from an owner's standpoint, you got to celebrate victories no matter how small they are because you still have to celebrate. It, it can't be a dichotomy of in the summer we – jump around and high five and in the winter and the shoulder months we're going to sit in the corner and cry you got to be consistent in your message to the people because they're going to follow their leader i think that's well said marty and especially for you guys i mean you guys are in obviously the carolinas and so you have a fair amount of seasonal livers right you know people coming and going from your state you're literally dealing with you know the 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 don't talk about my liver like this. <laughs> this here's the season when their livers take a beating, buddy. No, no, that's a, that's a seasoned liver. Seasoned. Oh, seasoned. Okay, yeah, that makes more. Are you reading Marty's bio? Uh, let me rephrase. So you have you have people who are coming and going from perhaps their their vacation home back to their main home, or you know they're just moving north or moving around. So you have that on top of the fact that you know you just have a moderate climate, like a very moderate climate at this time of the year. And summer is your, your big bang and, and winter, you know, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's, it's not as much as the North anyway. So you don't have your, your shoulder season is probably more along the six month range than some people's three month range. And all on top of that, you have people coming and going. So operationally speaking, what are some things that you guys are doing from an owner's perspective, to try to get that phone ringing. I, I'm, I'll take this one, Richie. Um, you know, there, there's there's a lot of um, automation that exists out there today. I, I think the the world of living with having your people dial outbound phone calls and you can only book so many in an hour and you only have so many CSRs. There's enough technology out there that you can mass communicate to get the people cut uh, brought in. And I, I think that that's some of the stuff that, that you can do to try to make it happen. You know, Nate, we talked in the beginning about the amount of clubs that we have that, you know, we have people lined up waiting to come in and get their revitalization done. So, you know, we, we don't have it as bad as some of the other folks out there. We still do need to make the phone calls for opportunities and for other stuff like that that we have to get done. But overall, we have a big, 
big pond to fish in, and that's a that's a benefit and a testament to to the business the way it is today. And that's a great a great place to uh, to plug in the fact that we had Mike Vavrick on the show uh, a week or two ago, uh, a couple episodes ago, and he talked extensively about the value of club memberships, not only how to sell them in the home, but how to sell them over the phone. And I think you guys have put in the long, hard hours over years and years and years to plant all those seeds. And now in this time, when the water is a little towards the drought side and, you know, everybody's kind of wondering where the where the grain's going to come from, you guys have a full field that's ready to harvest because you've put in that work. Yeah, um, that's absolutely you, true. I'll tell you. Did you guys the, hear that episode, by the way? I did not. <clears throat> he's got uh, he's got one. Not yet. One CSR there who sold two hundred and thirty one plans in July. That's excellent. <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> I just and we're not talking about you know three ninety nine a month plans. No, no, many. sir. Those are these uh, these these goofball plans that I'm starting to see out. Out here, man, it's like there's a lot. It's a race to the bottom with with monthly yeah. uh, HVAC memberships here in Phoenix, um, and there are some really really cheap plans out here. But what's what's Justin averaging on on those plans, Nate? Do you know? Uh, if I had to guess, I would say he's probably in the twenty to thirty range on the average uh, monthly premium. Yeah, per month. Yeah, it's it's that's ridiculous. They, they had five reps that went over a hundred plans that month. You know, what's interesting about that is I think um, if you listen to a, enough phone calls of CSRs and find out how many times a plan was not offered, it'll astound you. Um, you know, and then you get someone like that who goes out and tears up 231 in one month. You know, she's asking everybody, right? Yeah, so, she is. Yeah, she's doing clearly doing everything she can do to, to get those clubs, right? Justin is, and you tell him we said that, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Justin, uh, Justin Troop, shout out to you, buddy. Uh, really appreciate everything that you, you've been doing, buddy. Big chilling. <clears throat> so from a technician's perspective, because we have a lot of techs who listen to this, right? We already talked about mindset. You know, we even talked about doing, knocking on the clover leaf of the, of the house that you're on and, and checking in with the neighbors and those types of things. What are you guys doing in terms of Mac, uh, of creating a mon, uh, a mentality of maximizing the call that is in front of you, right? So are, are you preaching doom and gloom? Hey guys, you only get one call today. So I need a hundred percent close or, or, you know, do you tell them like, Hey, just slow down, speed up. Like, what are you guys doing in this time to make sure that the technicians are making the most of every call, but also not living in, in fear? I'll take this one, Marty. We, yeah, no living in fear. Um, yeah, I, I've seen those environments before where, you know, we don't have a lot of calls, so you better bring a sale on this one. Yeah, that's no way to run a business. That, that, that client's situation didn't change because you need to make a sale. We have to meet every client, at, you know, for what their situation is. So every call is an opportunity in some way, shape or form. Who knows what it's going to be until you get there. But um, I think the the real trick is the consistency, right? Not trying to judge each and every call for being an opportunity or not being an opportunity, but truly going in there and serving that client, doing everything on your checklist, taking the extra time necessary to answer the questions. You know, it is the slower season, so you're not under all the demand strains and so nobody's calling you, telling you to hurry up and get to the next call. That's a blessing. Now you have time to actually do the job. So just relax, do the job you're there to do and take care of the client. 
And, and, you know, the only difference between a, a July and a February around here is the call count. That's it. And the, the demand, demand call count. Yeah. The demand call count. So we yeah. can backfill those with club members. So I can give you the same call count volume. I just can't make it demand or this or that, but I can put you in the same number of homes. What you do once you get there, you have to do the job, regardless of if it's a demand, you know, broken system or whether it's a, you know, a club visit uh, on a three-year-old unit, you know, who knows? You know, as, a, as someone who's been a tech many years on the other side of, I'll say great leaders and poor leaders and somewhere in between and, um, there, there's another reason not to lead with the doom and gloom of, of you only have one call today. You better close it. Like I need you to close this. Like we're not going to come close to budget and we're going to go upside down and profit. And, and that That's is, it's, it's wildly disrespectful to assume that I, as a technician am doing anything in the field except trying to make an income. Absolutely. So, when you just assume that you need to tell your guys to go out and do more or do better. Now, look, I'm all for providing training that makes them better and saying, I'm going to give you something that I think will make you better. But to assume that just being told to go do better w would help means that you're assuming that they're not trying as it is. And it's not what people mean to do. I understand, but it is exactly how it comes across as a technician, hearing it from the leader of the company. And how many techs hear that and go, you honestly think I'm not working my butt off out here? Do you honestly think I'm not trying? And then they start to resent the managers because all of them. And now there's well, this rift. Yeah, it's true. All the it ones happens. that are listening, which is about 50% of them. <laughs> well, this, that's human nature, right? And so we, if we know that and we know our nature is going to be a certain way, then we can meet that, you know, we can meet that problem with a different attitude and say, okay, I'm not going to have that attitude. I'm going to change that. When I see, when I run across this situation next time, I'm going to work very hard to address it this way. And I'm, I'm going to break that pattern, right? If we get enough technicians breaking that pattern and starting to, you know, look at the things they can control and start to get proactive, they get excited. You know, I get, I don't know about you guys, but I, I used to get really excited after I go to two or three calls and, and I've done my process and I'm, and I've closed every one of those. I'm on a roll, right? Give me that next oh, yeah. call, but give me three that I don't close. And now give me that fourth one, man. I got to get this next one. You know, it's, that's, that's my thing, but I'm never going to come in and tell my guys, look, you're only going to get one. So you better make it count. I would tell them, look, <laughs> yeah, you, everyone needs to count. You know, you need to do the right job for everybody. And I need to make, as I do my job, making sure you have enough of those, right? And if we don't have enough, we need to work together to make sure that we're all moving forward successfully. Um, I would never just tell the guys, hey, you just, yeah, just go knock on the door or whatever, or just make some calls. We all got to engage in that activity. And and I, I think most of the managers listening can shake their head yes, and we probably are guilty of that, is like telling guys to go get proactive and waiting for them to come back to you is you not being that proactive either. You got to go out there with them when when, when it's down. You got to go knock on that door Rich, too. Rich um, yeah, and let's talk. Let's do talk uh, innovating from from and and I I would say let's talk about it from every aspect. From um, we can speak to management and leadership, and certainly from the technician standpoint. But but what's what does innovation in the field look like? I know, <clears throat> I think Tommy was the first. Tommy Mello was the first one certainly that ever talked about this on this show, um, where he talked about as a technician he would. 
he would straight up ask who the president of the homeowner association was. What house do they live in? And he would just head on over, <laughs> like <laughs> knock on the door and try to make a relationship with the president of the homeowners association and say, you know, in some way, take care of that person and, and figure out how you can get in good with them so that now you're suddenly you're you personally, if you're in a truck or your company is recommended to that entire association. And now there are neighborhoods where you probably don't want to do that, but then there are neighborhoods where you really, really want to do that. And, uh, if you're in plumbing, you know, the neighborhoods where they have really hard water or the, the neighborhood's 13 years old. And if you drive by and see some garage doors open, the water heaters are original, or, you know, you, you just replaced a sewer line. Second one you've done on that street and you know, the rest of them are going. So there's, uh, there's little, little ways like that, that I'm familiar with. There's, you know, from the owner, owner manager standpoint, <clears throat> I don't think you have to be in a, in a, a, um, franchise to do this. But one thing that we're trying to do out here is, is get the, uh, tri brands together. You know, we're a, a, a lone Ben Franklin out here, Ben Franklin plumbing, but there is a one hour out here. There is a Mr. Sparky out here and we're joining together and, going to uh, piggyback off of each other's clients. And I'm training all of our techs in a couple of weeks together to set leads for each other and make relationships with each other. We're going to get them together once a month to have breakfast together and just get to hang out and get to know each other, exchange cell phone numbers and say, Hey, I'm slow today. You got anything going on? And, you know, recommend your friend out. These are things that aren't going to revolutionize the industry but man when when a tough week hits and you're very low on calls these are things that nate and i have personally seen working in a tri-brand really really move the needle in a pinch like take a week that's going to be a real bad week normally and put us over budget for the week because technicians are trying to hook each other up yeah well i don't know if you know this or not but that's how the one hour in atlanta got started out of mr sparky was just simply from referrals and 12 months into it, they had over a million dollars in business just from the referrals coming from the texts from Sparky. That's how wow. we started it. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that absolutely, there's some huge synergies there. Yeah. And we have a really good relationship with Tony Zach and, and we pass uh, leads back and forth to Ben and Mr. Sparky here in, in Myrtle beach. And, you know, we do help each other that's out when the time comes. Tony Zach, uh, if you didn't catch it or did catch it earlier, we uh, threw a little joke out there where where Richie said Tiny Zach because I uh, shot these guys a text and said, "Hey, we we uh, talked about you on Tony Zach's episode a couple weeks ago because this would be two weeks ago as this airs." Um, and I apparently autocorrect took over <laughs> and put Tiny Zach, and that's not the first time we offended poor Mister Zach. Uh, also when we dropped this episode, the, his last name was misspelled to Z-A-C-H instead of Z-A-C-K. So we're just gonna, we're gonna keep the, keep the hits coming, uh, Tony. Uh, so, um, yeah, just want to give Tony a shout out and a, uh, a brief apology for messing his name up on Apple, Spotify, <laughs> you name we love, it. We love YouTube, you, Pandora, <laughs> Audible. <Tiny and> <laughs> Got poor guy was like probably looking everywhere and seeing his name misspelled. (laughs) Great episode, great guy. I love Tony Zach. Uh, He's he's a big fan of your guys's, as he said on the episode. Tony's got a great energy. I've never seen him in a bad mood. He's just always, you know, ready to go. Tony, yeah, 
Yeah, never a bad time to be around. Speaking Tony. of energy, um, training is always something that we need to pour energy into. Uh, in this in this particular time in the slow season, do you find that it is better to pull back on training? You know, cut hours. You know, and just have the guys focus on the calls, or do you double down and you know go heavy into training? Uh, and if you do so, what what exactly do we train during this particular time? Great question. I think, you know, yes, two, two schools of thoughts. Take advantage of the opportunity to train because we're not busy. And the other is we can't afford to train because we're not busy, right? So it's a catch-22. I think you got to get creative with your training. I think you've got to get back to the basics here. You know, remind everybody, like, these are the things that that we do on every call that when it gets busy, you know the things you do and don't do when you're, you know, you've got a whole bunch of calls to run today. There's always there's always that tightening up that can be done. So I think it's a great opportunity for that, Nate, to your point, to tighten up all the basics, you know, get down to the basics. Are you inspecting every duct system on the HVAC side? Are you talking about sealing? Are you, are you, you know, you're looking at these things and, and having those discussions, asking people questions, you know, great questions. And, and I think it's a, probably a, the best time of the year to, to work on the communication training because everybody's not so, you know, we got to get out of here and get get on because the calls are stacking up. You know, we don't have that pressure. So I think as as the managers and when you're budgeting, you got to have that discipline to budget the extra training dollars for that downtime. It's going to look funny on your budget, but you got to do it. You know, take advantage of the time you got. You only get so many hours in a day and so many days in the week. What are you going to do with it? If we don't have the calls to run, we can at least train to get better on the calls that we're going to run next time, right? Next week, whatever. Yeah, and it wouldn't be waste no day if we didn't talk about role play. The, Ooh, not just yeah. asking the questions, but having your probably your your own proprietary or what have you list of questions or even a, a poached list of questions that you heard on here or wherever, where you get the guys together in a room and say, go ahead and, and ask about their duct work and listen to how they do it. Maybe the way they're doing it is like, OK, no wonder his conversion rate is low. It's nowhere near what we train to do. And then now it's role play time. I want to give a shout out to my man, Eddie Rearman, real quick. One of our plumbers here who uh, gets nervous, especially in front of the group, but nervous in general um, until he's cool. He's, he's pretty nervy and he, and he gets to rambling and we just stopped the, the role play and, and had him go probably eight times, maybe eight straight times. Boom, 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 boom. And then the last three got them all on video too. I don't think he knew I was recording, but I was. Uh, the last three were great. And then the very last one was epic. I mean, it just, you just saw it all sink in our exact verbiage, the way to do it, his confidence, his chest was puffed out. And imagine, imagine Eddie or, or someone like that at your company or you yourself as a tech gets that comfortable in a room full of people who some know how to do it really well, some don't, but you'd feel every set of eyes individually on you judging you <laughs> and if you're someone who's not comfortable up front and in front of the group anyway it's a struggle man and but imagine what he looked like or you would look like in front of a client 45 minutes later if you just finally mastered it in front of that room there's nothing like role playing there's not there's no training that as long as you're role playing the right stuff there's nothing that even comes close to to working the nerves out and working the butterflies out of your stomach in that moment. 
um, and then rushing right over to a call and doing it to a client who has no idea how it's supposed to go. And Nate, my, my opinion is if you don't do training now, you're never going to do it because you're always too busy when it's not shoulder season. So you have to take advantage of the time now or just admit to yourself that you don't train. I really think it comes down to that simply put. You know, we, we have some of the stuff that we do now is, is taped and the person has the ability to look at the video or listen to the recording um, when they're driving between calls or in the evening when they get home. So it's not something that everybody has to be in the, the same room at the same time, but the flexibility to be able to get the message across to them in their time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense and a lot of convenience, you know, in, in terms of providing that to them on a on-demand uh, type format that, you know, even if they can't make the training or, or they just want to follow up and listen to it again, uh, I think that's really a missed opportunity. And, that, you know, that's another reason we do a podcast, of course, you know, so guys can do this on demand. But to do that for your own company and record your trainings, we do that at work. Uh, at, at my location, we record trainings and then we send them out and guys can listen to them, catch them later on or listen to them again if there was something they liked. And th that's a great opportunity. Uh, and it's, it's, not cost prohibitive at all. I mean, you know, a camera and uh, a $13 a month of Zoom, uh, you know, membership can can get you pretty far. And then, you know, you just put it on YouTube and send it out and they can listen to the link. So great stuff on that. Uh, from an operational standpoint, Marty, I'm curious from a strategy perspective, do you dispatch differently in the shoulder season than you do in the demand season? And if so, what are your differences? That you're, the benefit that you have in the shoulder season is you're dealing with um, revitalizations. You, you know what you're getting into. You're sitting there looking at a, a one-year-old system, two-year-old system. You kind of have an idea how long that, that job's going to And just to last. be clear, revitalization uh, is what? Um, that would be a tune-up for us. That, it's it's a, a tune-up on steroids. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you, you have an idea of what the, the term's going to be of that job. When you're walking into a, a no-cool call um, or a water call or a thermostat call, you have no idea what, what's going to happen there. So I think in the shoulder season, you have the ability to put those calls on in a tighter knit area because the skill sets aren't as diverse as it is, depending on what the problem is, 18-seer, 20-seer, you know, gas, whatever the heck you're dealing with, that certain talents exist in certain people. So I think you can minimize the dispatch time. I think you can maximize the amount of calls. You can put a schedule together where you can get them close enough. You can't have three houses in a row where they all break down. But I do have places that I have club memberships on three houses in a row or in a condo where we have four of them on the same floor that you can put people in and they can run five or six instead of the normal two or three or, you know, if you're lucky, in the, in the repair side to get a fourth in. So yes, we do have a tendency of putting more calls on um, because we have a better ability to do it. That doesn't mean you don't run into a um, revitalization that there's a problem with it and all of a sudden you're dealing with a repair and you have to expand it, but that happens less often with a revitalization than it does with a no cool. So let's let's talk about revitalizations and tune-ups in general. It's uh it's that time of year, fellas, where uh, we start seeing the the bottom of the floor get even lower, right? And we start going from eighty nine dollars to seventy nine dollars to forty nine dollars to twenty nine dollars to buy one get one off to to hey just let us in your house we'll come do it for free, right? What is your opinion? Is is that the right approach? Do you have to do what you have to do? 
uh, or do you have to stick to your guns? When, so I'll take this one. Um, I'm a big believer in the not doing the $49 tune-up. Um, you know, I, I think what you do is you, if you, if you really priced up everything that you're going to do while you're there, if you're, you know, doing the tune up on the outdoor unit, tune up on the indoor unit, you're inspecting the duct work, you're changing smoke detector batteries, you're cleaning dryer vents. If you're doing all these things and there's a value attached to those, you, you add that price up and you say, this is what it is. Uh, we found when we advertise that, that we get a better, <laughs> better quality customer that actually uh, calls in from that because they're not looking for the cheapest thing. They're looking for the best thing. And, um, I don't know why most people don't understand that. I guess most contractors just feel like the race to the bottom is the way to win. But we've been doing that for many years now, and we've actually seen our call counts go up each year on these things. So I can attest that um, it's a good strategy to have. But it's just to me, it's more of an upfront and honest strategy of here's all the things that you should probably have done to your house annually uh, that we can do for you while we're there doing your AC tune up as well. Here's what it costs. And they call up and go, yeah, I want that. You know, so it's like, uh, to me, that's just a much better feel than saying, hey, for 49 bucks, I'm gonna come out to your house and see what I can find to sell you. You know, it just doesn't have a, <laughs> doesn't have a good feel to me, you know. Well, and Nate, uh, I can tell you when we transferred to doing it from the, the inexpensive tune-ups to the revitalizations, our average ticket went from $89 to $300 and we actually did more and we had close to zero complaints from the clients because you weren't using smoke and mirrors to get into a house to try to back up your truck and see what you can sell. And you know what? The techs like it better because it's not a bait and switch issue. Yeah. And, and we've had that same experience. You know, we've done the Angie's list thing and we we've done the, you know, the, the discount this and the discount that. And at least in our case, you get into a different clientele base and it's not the one that we want to be in. And you know, all, all the respect in the world if, if that's your model and yeah. that's what you want to do and it works for you. But for us, you know, in our particular market, we are, we are we're top notch. We're also top dollar. And so we don't really want the bargain shoppers, the discount divers. Uh, we want the people that value, as you said, Richie, that value, you know, the, the money and the things that they should be getting done and that are willing to pay for it. And, and so, like you guys, we, at least in our area, we take more of the Apple approach to things, which is, hey, we believe in our product, we believe in the the, uh, the value of it, and we're not going to change. So each each um, each different trade listening to this show, and I, I usually keep it to the, the big three or the main three, but anymore I get hit up by so many people in so many different trades, I don't even want to keep harping on here's what electrical does here's what plumbing does here's what hvac does but in each trade you have electives right you have your your main systems that you cannot operate a home without so it's it's cooling in the summer it's heating in the winter it's a water heater of some type it's an electrical panel um whatever it is in in each individual trade and then you have the ancillary things that you can add on as a bonus these are things that your system will work without, but things that you will really, really enjoy your home more if you do, or things that will add a level of protection that you have not had before. And in your case, most of this would fall into the IAQ category, the indoor air quality. Here are ways that we can make you really enjoy the quality of the air in your home more. 
or offer you protection from viruses and extra bacteria in the air or that kind of thing. Dust mitigation, whatever, whatever it is. Do you guys step up your efforts on the ancillary things in the shoulder season or is it a hundred percent full bore across the board, 12 months a year? Do you see, do you see yourselves maybe doing like some spiffs, some competitions in this time or what does that look like for you guys? So I, you know, we, we've had competitions and things in the past, obviously. And my philosophy on, on competition is depends on what your goal is. You know, if, if, if I have to create a competition to get you to do the right thing by the client, then probably not the right <laughs> kind of contest for us. But, you, you know, there are spiff items and things that we have out there. We pay the extra, the guy, you know, sells it, puts it in that day and those kind of things. So I think they, you, you would like to say that they're always talking about it, but you know, when it gets busy and the dispatchers are calling saying, Hey, hurry up on this one. We got another one down the street. You, there are things that fall off the plate and it seems sure. like those things, you know, the conversations just don't get had as often. And this gives us really the opportunity to step back, slow down, make sure you're having that conversation. And uh, inevitably we always see a rise in IEQ sales in the shoulder months. We always see a dip in IEQ sales in June, July, those first few weeks of summer, your IEQ sales take a hit because everybody's, you know, trying to fix everything, you know, and they're, they're focused on that. And a lot of techs get that, you know, you know, tunnel vision where it's like, I got this one thing I got to fix and I'm not thinking about anything else. And that's it. Um, I think you got to look at the whole approach and make sure that you're, no matter what discipline you're in, that you're giving them the whole story. You know, here's the things that are good today. Here's the things that need some addressing. And here's some extra stuff over here that you might want to consider. If you don't say that or, or even mention it, how the heck are they going to know about it? You know, so you, you got to bring it up no matter what time of year it is. But I do think it gives us a little more time to talk about it this time of year. And Brian, so are you are you doing anything? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Martin. Maybe you're going to answer my I question. I think one of the things that that you got to look at from an operational standpoint is is what is the goal of a, of doing a contest? My goal for doing a contest was to change behaviors long term, not just sure. during the time frame of the contest. So right. if the contest is not set up to change behaviors long term, then it's really not doing anything for the employee or for the company. The employee goes, hey, I get a couple extra bucks. Maybe I'm not getting paid the right amount the rest of the year. And the company's sitting there going, hey, we had a big bounce for the contest and everybody went right back to where they were after the contest happens. And that's not the goal. The goal is to create different behaviors that now become what they do every single day. And if your goal can accomplish that, it's a great contest. If it doesn't do that, then really it's just, in my opinion, a waste. It's a waste of money for the company, and it usually doesn't drive what you want in the technician either. In the long term. In the long term. In the long term. Yeah. Yeah, I see value for it in a couple different ways. Um, One way from the technician standpoint is it's a real energy driver. It's a real break from the norm sometimes when you can get a good contest that everybody's excited about. And you get some good competition and you and you get buddies of my, maybe I'm not even in the running and I don't make the you know final three who are really battling the last week of that month to get that top prize. But maybe one or two guys that I really like are in there. And now I'm excited like I'm watching my, you know, my Michigan Wolverines beat up on, on uh, South Carolina or something, whatever. Um, That's fine. <laughs> you know you're, <laughs> that's fine. Clemson. Sorry, beat up on Clemson. <laughs> uh, 
but you're wa- you're watching you're watching or you're part of a little bit higher energy and a break from the norm and I've seen it with myself and I've seen it with uh text that I've led where you just it's just like a nice vacation from from the regular grind and maybe it doesn't work long term um hopefully if it's trained right and it's done well it does i mean i i had a mentor lance fernandez who i was just like why don't you just do this contest every month and he's like well a contest uh the way he ran them was for a specific purpose you put a contest in place when you rolled out a new product you got everyone to learn how to sell that product and then when that month ended, he said your numbers would always go down as a result of the month ending, but you had people who learned how to sell it and then they just always kept selling it. And where I was more like, you know, I just wanted the extra money. I wanted whatever. If it was a contest I won easily, I'm like, we should always do that in perpetuity now, you know. But what I do see from the tech standpoint is, um, you know, somebody gets that Traeger grill or, uh, you know, we've done things even like a Glock 43 and like all kinds of different cool stuff. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it makes loyal, loyal, uh, fans of employees. You get some really, you can get some really good social media, uh, press out of it and hopefully maybe even entice some, some, uh, outsiders to come check the company out. So there are a multitude of different good things that can come from competition, but yeah, like you guys said, it's a, uh, it's gotta be a tool. It is. Yeah. Depends on what you want to accomplish with it. Right. And then that, that month of competition has to more than pay for all those prizes on top of it. So you can run a competition if you don't do it well, like have minimums, for instance, like we have to sell a minimum of this number of this product for there to be any prizes. If you do it wrong, you're going to go upside down that month to pay some guys for not really doing anything. So yeah, it's a tool for sure. So any other, any other, other than like competitions, do you do anything else to, to drive certain things in the shoulder season? Or, I mean, I know like Russell who's, who, uh, what's Russell's title? Russell would be one of our VP of operations as well. VP of operations. Yeah, so I, think, uh, I don't really get hung up a whole lot of titles here, but yeah, he would be our <laughs> VP of operations. <laughs> he's uh, I didn't want to say he's general manager, but I thought that's what he was, but um, yeah, I think his official uh, title is vice president of operations. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's a big, he's big on training. He loves training. So I'm, I seriously doubt it. It wavers all that much depending on what season it is. He's just a guy who's, whose heart is in training and, and making techs better. But uh, yeah, anything you guys do to to uh, drive something in particular in the shoulder season? Well, I, I, not necessarily the shoulder season, but you know, like you said, Russell is he does a lot of those contests and trainings, and the contest doesn't have to be some huge thing. We had one for a hat; it was a hat, a Punisher hat, and it was more of a bragging right thing, you know. So that's 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 the kind of motivation I like to see one guy pitted against another to try to win a hat. You know, it's like, that's fun and it's, and it's all in good fun. And it's, it's nobody, you know, nobody's missing any money or anything. If they don't win, it's, it's just all in good spirit and fun. And I think the idea is just to engage. And so when you're doing the training, absolutely, you know, contests would be great for that. But for long-term behaviors, it's, it goes back to the training again. It's what you practice, what you role play and, and what sticks. And I think just using the shoulder time to take advantage of, of the downtime to train as much as you possibly can, um, 
you know, and as smart as you possibly can. You can't bring everybody into the shop every day. But just the other day, I was listening to something on Spotify. And I said, man, this is good stuff. And I just forwarded it out to every single manager and said, listen to this. You know, and so it's like there's different ways what, what to motivate it? people. It was Chris Voss, matter of fact. So which episode um, of Wasting Day was it? <laughs> yeah, um, 100 actually, with Chris Voss. It was 100 with Chris Voss, but then I went on and searched a couple of other episodes of Chris Voss uh, on other other podcasts, I should say, um, and his message was very similar. He, he stays on point, stays on his message, and it, it hit me after hearing it about the third time that, man, you know, we got to get our people on this. So I sported out to like three or four managers and said, listen to this today. And it was really the part he was talking about, have you given up on this project, right? Just the one-liner. And so we had uh, Jason, one of our uh, sales managers, he he um, he texted out uh, just five clients that they had been working with. Have you given up on replacing that AC? And that was it. And within three minutes, he had his first response. It was a no, but it was a response, right? So he was surprised he got a response that fast. And so, so, so it was a yes in that case. Yeah, yeah, right. They had yeah, they up. gave up yeah, on us. Yeah, you know, they didn't buy, but you know, at least now little, we know uh, why his little ways of switching the verbiage up to ask for a no in when you want a yes see like the the go for no concept the, the that book and and when they say no um they're revolutionary for me and they're tiny little books they're amazing but his his way of doing it never split the difference and when he was a hostage negotiator of, of getting you to say no multiple times when the answer is yes like uh he i think he told us to switch up verbiage to where when you ask if if the truck is parked in a good spot is my truck parked okay there to, to ask for a no in that in that situation to say is there any issue with where my truck is parked hmm. and you let you just let them exhale a little bit of that pressure that you know they're building for the end when you ask them to buy something no wow. and then uh do you mind if i put my shoe cover or my floor protectors on and come in the house no, not at all. A little bit of pressure out. Like, man, I can watch those YouTube videos and listen to him on podcasts and and his whole team, Sandy Hine, Derek Gaunt, Brandon Voss, Troy Smith, um, all day, all day. And and all I do is get something out of it that I've never heard before. So Glad Brian brought that up, buddy. Brian, would it be a terrible idea since you're replacing your AC unit now to go ahead and clean the ducts and seal them? <laughs> well done so, it, even if i didn't want to saying yes to that question does not feel right does it no saying oh no feels goodness. natural and normal and you know it, it so it's just genius you know so yeah i'm listening to that riding my bike and i'm, I'm texting it to our managers and i'm like you gotta listen to this right now and deploy it today and so i think those little kind of um I call them like, it's almost like a hit training. It's like, man, y'all, you need to drop what you're doing and, and listen to this. I'm excited about it. You need to get excited too. And I think giving yeah. that kind of energy to your team, like, hey, Richie's excited about this. Let me check it out. You know, at least they might look at it for five minutes and, and maybe it impacts them today. Maybe it doesn't, but you got to be looking for ways to impact your people just in those little ways. Even. It doesn't have to be a big contest. It could just be a phone call. Hey man, how's it going? You doing okay out there? Carlos calls me. You know, when he has a good day, he calls me. When he has a bad day, he calls me. And um, yeah, I talk to him every time because I know that's what he needs at the end of that day is that debrief one way or the other. You know, let me know he's working hard and he's, he's really, really, really getting it. Or, man, he needs a hand right now, you know, needs, needs some words. 
You heard and, that uh, one hour text. All of you need to be calling Richie at the end of the day and ra- wrapping up your day with him. <laughs> <laughs> first. Negative Ghost Rider. The pattern is full. <laughs> well, this you know, is the other thing, Brian, from the leading by example, by, by looking and making yourself better as the owner and going to podcasts and learning stuff and sharing it with folks, you set the right example for everybody else. Yep. You know, I've, I've reached yeah. the top of the mountain. I run a very successful company, but I'm still looking every day while I'm riding my bike at 530 in the morning to try to make myself and my team better. That, that's a great example to set. Does the company, it is. It's awesome does the company not provide you guys with vehicles? There's a lot of bike riding going on with you guys. Yeah. Are you, are you guys okay? You know what? <laughs> when you get over 50, you can't run as much anymore. <laughs> trying to lose some weight. Uh, I'm getting old. To, to be fair, I have a bike with a sidecar. Marty rides in the sidecar. <laughs> Not true. Not true. <laughs> yeah, uh, where Nate's at, Matt Buckwalter, the owner there, where I just left uh, a few months ago, it, Matt Buckwalter would send us just from time to time into the management chat. Check this out. And it would be exactly that. And you're like, son of a bee, that's spot on. And boom, out it goes to the teams, you know? Yeah. Or or what I will what I like to do, and Nate does this same kind of thing, is you catch a video clip like that and you just build an entire hour training out of it. Like yeah. you know, I've been training minimum once a week, more usually three to four times a week, oftentimes for the better part of a decade now. So you haven't heard uh, what I've trained on over and over, but to me doing the same trainings over and over and over, I, I feel like the passion and the energy might not be there. So I, I'm looking to change it up for my own, for my own sake and then present it to you. Like it's something brand new, you know, like we tell our techs, your fourth client deserves to see you in, in the same type of shirt you wore to your first client, right? It needs to be bright, white, clean and pressed. That's why you carry an extra shirt in your truck. And that is me, my, you know, our clients, the four of us are not customers. Our clients are technicians, right? Our employees are our clients. The, the customers are their, empl- their clients. So for me, I feel like my uniform is, my presentation is how I train those guys in the morning. So when I would get a video like that from my leadership, it goes a long way for me and makes me, makes me motivated, you know, cause I need to know that whoever's standing behind me is, is has the same goal, the same vision and and is the same work ethic, you know, like you're, you're grinding too. So yeah, never stop doing that. Even if you throw it in that chat and you, uh, they get to the point where they're no longer giving you all the likes just cause you're the boss, <laughs> all the thumbs up, you know, it still means something. Yeah. Well, guys, this has been excellent stuff, and you guys have dropped so much wisdom in terms of, uh, you know, even strategy to operation to what you're doing from a, a training perspective to mentality and everything in between. So we really appreciate it. I'm sure many others have as well. If they're interested in learning more about you or more about, uh, you know, who you are, ask some questions, where's a great place to find you? OneHourMagic.com. All right. Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach. <laughs> Swing on by. The, weather, the weather's Come fine. Come on and join everybody else. <laughs> Come on down. The, water's, the uh, weather's fine. Yep. Yep. I'm sure it is. And what we want to wrap up here on, guys, is a message of hope. So a, a vast majority of our podcast is, is people who are in the front lines. And they're, they're in a truck right now, maybe listening to it. Maybe they're, uh, they're popping this on Monday morning and just like staring at the week ahead saying... 
I don't know that I can do another week like this. You know, I like I only got three calls last week. I only got, you know, half a paycheck last Friday. And they're just kind of feeling they're feeling down. They're feeling like when's this gonna end? You know, is is this is is this like all that it's going to be? Is there anything else I can do? What is your message of hope to keep people in the trades, to keep them serving well, to keep them performing at a high at a high clip to make sure that they are dialed in, focused, ready to go, lean, mean, green, technician machines out there, man. Like, you, leave, leave us on some pearls of hope here. I, I think the first thing I'll say is not 60, 90 days ago, these same people were asking for a break because it was so busy and so hot and so they had all these things they wanted to accomplish. Now's the time to accomplish it. If you have weaknesses, train, make it a strength. If you have strengths, train, make it a superpower. Get yourself to a position where you're worth more to the companies you're working for when this is over with. This is a great time to self-help yourself into a better situation than what you're in right now. And don't lose sight of that opportunity. I think that um, you've got to focus on what you can control. You know, the first thing you can control is your time. What are you doing with your time? Are you doing the training? Are you investing in it? And are you giving that call everything you've got? Are you giving that customer the call that they deserve and that they're paying for? And if you are, you can say in your heart of hearts that you're giving it 100%. I don't think you're going to be that down because you're going to get an energy from that too. And I say the, the second part to that is having a sense of urgency, you know, with everything that you do. There's only, you know, 31 days in this month. We've already worked five. You know, that's that sense of urgency. Where am I at on my goals? Knowing your numbers, I'd say that um, that's key as well. It, where, you know, there's a lot of people trying to finish this year at $4 million in sales or $3 million in sales. How, how far are you and what do you have to do every day from here through the rest of the year? And can you get it done? And then get yourself a cold plunge and jump in that thing every morning. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, you, you gotta get wow. yourself motivated. Oh, you know? That is it, baby. Um, do you have one? Motivated. I do. Yes. I do. Goodness gracious. So do I. Um, is it the same I'm one? Go I'm getting it right now. No, no, they're separate. Wait a minute. Are you guys in it right now? <laughs> no, it's a, it's a, I have one and there's a little sidecar next to it. Cold plunge that Marty sits in. <laughs> no, uh, but yeah, I tell you, uh, sitting in 43 degree water for three minutes will absolutely motivate you. You feel like you're yeah. on fire. Um, but yeah, whatever you got to do, man, get get motivated, motivate yourself, control your emotions, and um, get out there and do the job you know you're supposed to do. Yeah, I've got to get one of those because I'm choose who you hang out with. Oh man, stay away from that. That's probably the biggest. That really probably is the biggest one. And I and I like to think that the reason we went with who's in your passenger seat is now part of our logo for Waste No oh. Day. And we, every guest we bring on, we say this week, you know, it's going to be a tight, going to be some tight quarters in those smaller vans, but Richie and Marty are in your passenger seat. We're not going to say who's on top and who's on and sidecar, but where do uh, you come up with that stuff? Sidecar. <laughs> really? I just the, picture uh, Marty sitting in the middle of the van, you know, <laughs> on an upside down bucket. I've been on there. A bucket, on a bucket. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, I like to think that we're, that we're trying, you know, we're helping with that, that if you don't have a bunch of positive techs in the company you're at and you don't have positive leadership, bam, just dropped in your passenger seat. We're two of the most positive forward thinking guys in all of the one hour franchise. And Hey, 
I know there's plenty of hate out there for for one hour. Love it or hate it, what one hour has done for this industry in, in terms of guys coming out of high school and going into HVAC and making six figures and getting into management and owning business, there is no other one. It, there is only one hour. Now, there are other ones, but in terms of like pioneering this thing, it was one hour. I mean, one hour really really uh, took the beach on that kind of thing and has, I don't, I don't know if there are, is another company out there with as many people in hired in HVAC positions as one hour heating and cooling, but man, it's a big deal. And you got two of the brightest guys and most positive guys in leadership throughout one hour in your passenger seat right now. And Marty and Richie too. So, (laughs) yeah, it's me and Nate. That's true. Wow. (laughs) Wow. But, yeah, then, but then outside of that, it is like Marty said, choosing who you're around because man, it, it, it only takes like a couple days for me to get around. And maybe this is even on the phone or virtually some negative people tending to be from my past who are not about um, the next step and, and moving forward and growth and, and determination and discipline. And man, it whittles away at who I am and what I'm trying to be so fast. I mean, even faster than when you're on a diet and your fitness journey and you take a week of just eating crap and not, not going to the gym, you feel that pretty fast, but not nearly as fast as how a negative association group just takes you out of the zone that you were in. So yeah, good point, Marty. That's a great place to go out to is, is just picking your circle and sticking with it. Absolutely. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. We really appreciate everything you brought to the show today and for the industry uh, at large. So thank you for everything that you've shared with our listeners. Brian, Nate, thank you for having us. Thank Can't you, guys. see you guys next month in yes, Orlando. Sir. Take care, guys. That's a wrap for this podcast. We hope that you enjoyed your time with Marty and Richie. Always great to have a good discussion with those guys, and they have so much to offer in terms of operational excellence and beyond. Uh, A lot of great, uh, just simple applications that you can put into your life right now, whether you're a manager, whether you're a tech in the field, and some good ending words to remind yourself, choose who you're hanging out with, double down on being the best person that you can be. And that's really what we're about here at Waste No Day. So the message aligns nicely, and uh, we just appreciate those guys for everything they brought. Uh, Make sure that you are sharing this episode with uh, your friends and people in the trades who perhaps are feeling a little bit down about the shoulder season right now and could use a little bit of advice or a little bit of encouragement. That's what we're here for. We want to leave you now with our weekly challenge, which is all the more important at this time of the year to choose to wake up every single morning and waste no day.